0: And I can see the ground, now I'm waiting gone, gone. Alright legends, welcome back dude to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive, truly. This week in the news, because what is this podcast about at its core? You know, if you had to rip the soul out of Get Around Me and put it on a whiteboard for the whole class to see... What would this podcast be about? It'd be about tackling the issues no matter what. Okay, news, a current affairs, politics, you know, we love it all here at Get Around Me. But this week, kind of a sad week for the news. And in this scenario, you know, this is a, a hypothetically news-based podcast, not just a podcast where I sort of come on each week and tell you about uh, you know something weird I did in a beer garden. You know what I mean. So the news this week—it's a little bit harrowing, I would say. Firstly, we got the great man Justin Langer, got the old heave ho from the Australian cricket team. You know the old the old take care and see you later, the the old severance package, the old don't come back. So I'll be talking about that at the end of the podcast because I know some people don't like cricket. Cricket's interesting because some people love it and some people hate it. Very few people don't mind it. I would say the people that don't mind it, that would be thanks to the Big Bash, the first third of that ridiculous seven-year season. But before the Big Bash, I mean, people, it was like pitchforks out there. You say you like cricket, get your hands up. You know what I mean? But, yeah, so I'll talk about that at the end, but that's very interesting. And then just to start us off a uh, A shocking piece of news came out this week, end of last week. Australian cult hit classic mainstream greatest show of all time holds a place in each of our hearts, Neighbours, is just like Justin Langer getting the heave ho. I think they might have got fired in the same boardroom, to be honest. I think Justin Langer came out and Dr. Carl went in. But neighbors, can you believe neighbors? I think we all were just walking around going, I don't know who I am or what the fuck I'm doing. But as long as it's neighbors at 6.30, home and away at 7, we can all go home with our head on our shoulders, knowing the world is in order. Now that order has been plunged into chaos. I think I speak for everyone when I, when I say neighbors, wow, well, I have the utmost respect for it. It is, you know, it's synonymous with Australian history, Australian television history. So many iconic moments, got so much love for the show. Wow, I can't believe it lasted this long. Is anyone else blown the fuck away that Neighbours is still on the telly in 2022? And this will be the last year. I don't know if when they're pulling up stumps. Uh, they've They've gone to the fans to try and rescue the show. So, you know, get on the blower to your nan and I honestly, I'm not sure who else. To be honest, if your nan is still alive, get her on the fucking phone right now and tell her, put a frock on, we're saving neighbours. Okay, but I can't believe Neighbours has has lasted this long. You know, five nights a week, it's pretty intense. It's basically, Neighbours has basically been kept alive by poms who just want to find out what blue sky actually looks like, you know? Freaking pommy pommy women at 7pm, you know, just outside of Manchester. They're, these poor things, they're, they're freaking tanning in a bikini in front of neighbours while it's on the telly, you know? They do a pool scene, all the pommy girls think the sun's out. It's in the telly, girls. It's in the telly, okay? But... You know, good on good on the English, I should say, for keeping you know this great this great thing alive. Those see-through bastards—they love neighbours, and to be honest, I think they probably love home and away more because it's still trucking. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? You can just make an Australian television show, and it can just be sort of kept afloat by another country. It's kind of cool, really. Imagine if you just made a television show. And everyone's like, Billy, your show sucks. And I go, I don't care what you say because I am number one in Norway, baby. Hey, (laughs) and then I'm going, you know, I do freaking got a hundred people at my show here in Sydney. I think that's pretty good. Watch out. I'm playing an arena in Norway. Insert a city in Norway there. I searched for one, but I couldn't find it in this dusty old brain. But I tell you what, neighbors, fair play. You know, it's on every night. The thing with Neighbours is, it's on every single night. It's like a commitment. You want to freaking, you want to. Not sure if you should get married one day. You, maybe your girlfriend's saying you're not, you're not ready to commit. Why don't you watch, watch every single episode of Neighbours for a year, and then show her. Look at that. Look at that. I'm, I'm fucking straight down the barrel. You're not going to see a bigger commitment than that from anyone. Okay, And the thing with Neighbours is it's on every night. So, you know, you could watch for six months. You miss one episode, all of a sudden three of your favourites are dead and Dr. Carl's got three new kids with four different women. How's he done it? Well, you better tune in tomorrow night. <laughs> Dude, isn't it great? It's <laughs> Our Dr. Carl. Dr. Carl on Neighbours was basically the sort of, you know, I hate to be so blue, uh, I don't think we're even at the 10-minute mark of this particular podcast, but he was the neighborhood rooting machine, okay? But I just love this how they're like, yeah, Dr. Carl's going to be our guy. He's going to have affairs. He's going to be married. He's going to he's gonna knock over Natalie Bassingthwaite in her prime. What? <laughs> Natalie Bassingthwaite? Well, when that one Rogue Traders song was kicking? Oh, my God, Carl. How do you do it? And the thing I love about Carl is, I don't know, I'll have some women chime in on this. Uh, is he that attractive? I don't I don't believe he is. I think I see the doctor thing, you know, and also, you know, he's, he's sort of the neighborhood doctor, so he knows everyone's secrets, you know, his salary. It's probably more impressive. You know, everyone else in the town is either like a mechanic or they work at the cafe or they work at the bar. So Dr. Carl, you know, he must be earning freaking quadruple what anyone else is um so yeah i do understand the power dynamics there but i mean he's not a particularly good looking rooster i would have thought uh but anyway yeah so end of an era with neighbors no one really watches it anymore in australia if i went into like a pub with like let's say a thousand people massive pub and i went into every single person i said have you watched neighbors in the last six months they they would say no and that was the thing, because Neighbours used to be blasted in prime time on one of the four television channels available. Okay? Now, I'm not counting SBS then, because this is back when I was, you know, a 12-year-old white boy in the suburbs. I didn't have too much use for the Korean news. Okay? But SBS is there now, and they do fantastic work on there. But anyway, one of the four channels, 6.30, you got a one in four chance of people watching your program. You know, then we tune in. We got a young Margot Robbie and Caitlin Stacey in the mix. You fall in love with those. That's a three year sentence. You know, I'm 11 to 14 just in love with Rachel from Neighbors. And it's a great time. It's the time. But then you grow up, and then I don't think Neighbors caught on to the freaking, I don't know if they jumped on the streaming era. Because now these kids, I think it's mostly kids and pensioners who watch Neighbors. My mum and dad were never particularly into it, I, can't, I don't think. Definitely not my dad. Maybe my mum used to watch a bit. But yeah, it's, it's, for, it's like Bunnings. Neighbours is like working at Bunnings Warehouse. You can either be 12 or you can be 73. But you can't be anything in between, dude. Okay? That's the demos we're hitting. And it's weird. So then we have this thing where it's like Neighbours is still going, allegedly, like no one knows for sure you got to download the 10 Play app and then get on to like, I think, 10, 10 Mango or some shit. There's, there's 50 different Channel 10s and none of them seem to offer anything in particular. But yeah, without that sort of hostage situation. And also, now TV's too wild. I mean, back then Neighbours was competing with A Current Affair or freaking Today Tonight or Deal or No Deal. Now it's like, hmm... Should I watch Neighbours or Euphoria Season 2? Oh, oh, hang on a minute. Zendaya is doing fentanyl. Yeah. Sorry, Harold. I'm not tuning into fucking Ramsey Street this week, brother. Okay? we got some sort of a freaking... They're all on mushrooms having a them in the pool. Okay? What's that? Toadie's got a new girlfriend. I don't give a fuck, dude. <laughs> I don't know if this is coming across, but I actually loved Neighbours. Like, I had a huge... Neighbours uh, phase, you know, for, I wouldn't call it a phase, from like, you know, age 8 till like 14, 15, I want to say about then. But it was, you know, ABC and the Arvos, 6 p.m. Simpsons, 6.30 Neighbours, 7 p.m., if it's, if it's a, a raging night, you might get another Simpsons. We weren't a home and away household. And then 7.30, you got Biggest Loser. And also, speaking of great programming, that was back, biggest loser in like 2005, that's back when they were bringing these fellas in with a freaking crane, dude, okay, you know, you got a freaking forklift bringing in the red team, okay, that was back when the biggest loser meant something, you know, it was freaking, you got a Shannon's giving these blokes the hard word, you got lose a Loser a we're taking your foot, brother, okay, we're taking your foot, all of a sudden, the boys start doing a few sit-ups, you know what I mean? I remember the last Biggest Loser episode I ever watched. There was someone on there. There was the family's episode. And it was like the dad was sort of fat. But I remember the mum was like... I mean, she wasn't in shape, but she wasn't... I wouldn't describe her as particularly unhealthy. She was like, oh, I often have a couple of scoops of ice cream after dinner on the weekends. I'm a monster. Michelle, you gotta help me. It's like, that was... You know what I mean? So anyway, Neighbours is gone. Susan from Neighbours, I thought this was hilarious. Susan from Neighbours was on the project uh, in tears, basically being like, we're, you know, we're hoping the fans can save us. You know We got to keep this show going at all costs. It's an Australian icon. And I don't disagree, Susan. But at the same time, babe, the free ride is over. Okay, you know, what do you, what do you think you are? You've mixed acting with a nine-to-five. You think you can just break the system forever? The whole point of going into the arts is it's a volatile industry where, you know, you've got to move with the times and improve and bloody work on your craft as an actress, an actor. But this chick, she's just beaten the system. She picked up one role in 1983 and here she still fucking is. I mean... It's pretty unbelievable. I can totally see why she doesn't want it to end. These guys are going to have, like, PTSD. Look out for, like, the old-school Neighbours cast, like Carl and Susan, who've been turning up to Ramsey Street five days a week for 40 years. Dude, once they stop... I mean, I don't want to be a dick about it, but they probably will die. Just from... It's like when a guy works at a factory for 45 years, and then all of a sudden he's having a frickin' Mai tie on a Tuesday morning... And his bones can't handle it. So, you know, best of luck to them. But I think, yeah, I can't believe Home and Away won. Home and Away still going. I don't know if anyone watches that either. I honestly don't know how to access Channel 7. But yeah, I think Neighbours, they should just put all of the episodes up and put them in year blocks. So say, here's your 2012, here's your 2011. Because to be honest, I could go back. I would love to go back. If, if I could just scroll through and pick out from when... There was a couple of years where I really loved Neighbours. If I could go back when, you know, we got Stingray, freaking Rachel, Margot Robbie's character. Then we had the guy who played Declan and in Blue Water High, Dude. Sky. Remember Sky? She's gone out with Stingray for a bit. That was wild. Okay? I, w- I, I would go back. You know? That would be... That's like freaking that would be like nostalgia straight to your veins okay so yeah i would go back but neighbors my advice is use the time you have to actually make a a finale of significance don't fight this till the end then you put out this year's episodes or whatever and then just never come back because you were so delusional thinking this show was going to last forever like susan she's on there going please save my show it's like susan You've worked for 40 years. You're minted. You're, you've got everything anyone would ever want. It's over. You've had it. Like, you, it could not have gone better. And I think, you know, everything has to come to an end. Neighbours, you know, I, I, I haven't watched it in years. I don't know if it's any good now. Maybe it's cranking now and it's this is a gross misjustice. But I think we all know in our hearts that Neighbours probably has to go. So, that's good stuff. 16 minutes in on neighbors. That is a worry to be honest. That is a worry. But anyway, let's crack into the first yarn of the week. So it was Pat the snake Doherty's birthday on the weekend. Uh, he invited me to to come to his birthday drinks. I brought macaroni and Adzi and I got to say it, w- it was fun. It was a lot of fun. I think Pat has just turned 44. So that's a fun age for him. Uh, Very exciting. But we went to this pub, this random pub in the middle of nowhere. It was good because I like going to pubs I've never been to before. Because most weekends, I do go to the same pubs. So it's good to get out. We caught the ferry over. My God, I tell you what, you find out who's who. After a couple of tequila shots and five schooners... Because the seas were not friendly, okay? We had that thing where it was like wh- freaking, whoa! Like we're going up and down and everywhere in between. Hot chicks are screaming. I'm screaming. Adzi's under his seat. Mako looked quite calm, I will admit. He looked very calm. He must have good sea legs. But But it was quite a harrowing trip over. I honestly did think I was going to vomit at one point. But then I didn't. Which I think deserves just as much credit. Anyway, so we trek all the way to the freaking the other side of this great nation. I think we were I think at one point we were near the pub and some, some security turned us away. We were near the WA border. I mean this thing was on the other side of Sydney. So we get all the way out there and we see Pat, you know, all of his friends obviously like pretty excited to see me. Uh Pat's always telling them, Nah, nah, I know Billy, but you know, obviously now I'm here in the flesh. So that would be and that's you know, that's Happy to give them that joy. But here's the thing. So we get there. Pat and his mates have already caused an absolute ruckus. And we're down to it's one drink per person on arrival. So that's you know, that's stifling any momentum we had. But we get there, it's one drink per person, and it's like a it's a pretty cool pub. It's a really old pub. I think maybe third oldest in Sydney, which make it third oldest in Australia, maybe. And there's a theatre downstairs an old school theatre so every hour they send out this tiny this tiny chick with a big bell going you know hear ye hear ye we got bloody a bit of shakespeare downstairs and then all the sort of nerdier people in the pub would sort of go on down and check out a live production i freaking loved it that is so cool i might do a show down there you know uh, more theatre spaces in pubs and more uh, performance spaces you know, the lands down in Sydney just closed down, live music venue. And you need more places. Yeah, we've got theatres. You know, you go and you, I'm supposed to see all day tomorrow night at the Enmore Theatre. It was rescheduled again. That's the fourth one, actually. But you need performance spaces of like 50 to 100 people for bloody, you know, just just young fellas in a, in a Bunnings bucket hat like myself who are having a crack. And, you know, musicians on the come up and stuff. So I love that. But anyway, we left the old pub, went to this crazy rooftop bar. It had like four levels. And we get up there. As soon as me and Macca get out of the lift, uh, this huge security guard goes, boys, there's absolutely no room. You got to get get out of here. He's like, "He's like, get back in the lift right now. He's blowing up. And so me and Macca are like, oh, Pat and his mates are up there. So we're like, fuck. We're just going to have to go sit by ourselves on another level. This sucks. And then Ami... Uh, uh, Amy, Adzi, this jammy bastard. I got jammy and Adzi mixed up there. But Adzi... Adzi shoots us a text. and goes, boys, I'm on the roof. I just got here. And I go, there's no room on the roof. The guy told us to get out of here. And Adzi goes, man, I just walked in. He had zero problem with me. So once again, Adzi trips over and falls on a pot of gold. I mean, this guy is just unbelievable. And so then we go back upstairs and we say, where with Adzi? And the guy's like, yeah, 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 that's cool. As if like Adzi is sort of part owner in this pub. I have no idea how this man is garnering such respect. But once we dropped Adzi's name, we are off to the races. So later on in the night, I start chatting to two girls. I mean, what am I like? Alpha male, uh, you know, bloody... I tell you what, if an apocalypse comes, I probably, I'm the man to repopulate the earth. I mean, there is no one better with females than yours truly. <laughs> All right, dude. So I was going okay with a couple of birds. And anyway, <clears throat> here's the deal. So Maka comes over and, you know, I can see this guy coming from a mile away. I mean, he's like, it's like the Jaws music starts playing in my head. That's honestly how I feel when Maka comes over in these situations. Okay. So immediately, keep in mind, I've been talking to these girls for about an hour. Immediately, Maka comes over and goes, sorry, is my friend bothering you? Which he's been doing for fucking six years, maybe longer. So then, and then it's just like, here we go. Next thing you know, uh, Maka and me are talking to these girls and this is great. This is a situation we've not seen before. They're roommates and me and Maka are roommates. So, you know, a bit of common ground there. Very exciting. And so there's a good dynamic. Uh, I overhear that Macca has, in fact, you know, flown too close to the sun and told this bird he is, in fact, a fireman, uh, which is, it's, you know, like I said last week, it's greedy and it's unnecessary. I tell birds I'm an admin assistant and I I look them in the eye when I do it, okay? There's no lies here. Sometimes I tell them I'm an executive admin assistant, but that's only when I'm doing cocaine. So, you know, I feel like that's all above board. But anyway, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, so Mac has told this girl he's a fireman. I'm, I'm an admin assistant. We're off to the races. And <clears throat> here's the thing. So Mac, Mac is like, mate, get, get us a couple of vodka Red Bulls in. I'm starting to fade. I'm thinking, all right, whatever. These things are $32 each, but here we go. You know, I could use a vodka Red Bull myself. So I bring over Macca's freaking vodka Red Bull and I'm, he puts it down and goes, thanks, Bill. And then just immediately punches it all over, like off the roof. Like some of it goes off the roof. And then he just looks at me like, oh, so now I'm half a vodka Red Bull down. This guy's a fireman, but he can't even pick up a fucking glass apparently. And then we're it's going great with these girls. Going great guns. And then... It gets to the point where now we're two sets of roommates, so this is logistically a dream, because if they come back to ours, uh, you know we could just freaking drop them home in the morning or whatever. But it's so it's a one destination either way, you know what I mean? So, but then we live about an hour away. These girls live around the corner, so you know we got Sergeant McElroy, um, Billy Darcy's on the Staples, and it's bloody it's on for young and old. You know, um, we kiss them on the lips. I'm not ashamed to say it. Uh I remember I <laughs> Oh my God. But anyway, <clears throat> uh, you know, it's on for young and old and then they go, let's go let's go to this cocktail bar like that's near our house. And but it's like 3 a.m. and and it's it's going so well with these girls. And I go, Yep, let's go to this cocktail bar. Sounds great. And I gotta put my hand up here for just a moment of weakness, I will say. We get outside this, this uh, you know, bar or whatever we're in this rooftop, and they're like, all right, the, we'll get an Uber or whatever. I think we could walk to this cocktail bar. As we start to walk down the street, I know for a fact there's a beautiful pizza shop just down the road, and this guy, it's like one of these like kind of hole-in-the-wall places. There's this Bangladeshi guy that works there, and I do gigs nearby, so I sometimes go there on the weekends. And I know that this guy is open till fucking 6am. And I know these pizzas are just out of this world. So we're going along, you know, holding hands with these girls is very cute. And I just say, because I'm a coward, okay? I'm a coward and I wanted a beautiful tandoori pizza. So I say, girls, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to head home, you know, run out of steam, you know, big night, this sort of stuff. Great to meet you. Great to meet you. They say, well, we'll have to see you again. I say, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, basically, throw away a sure thing for a, for a beautiful tandoori pizza. But i got to say, had you tasted this pizza, you'd be thinking, Bill, the right decision was made. Stick to your gut. Okay? So, <clears throat> you know, that's the end of that. Um, pretty average for me. Maca was kind of filthy at the time. But then once once I showed him the flavors available, and this guy makes them fresh. He makes these pizzas fresh. So... Yeah, I think I think the right decision was made, though, though I did ruffle some feathers in the process. Okay, so something else sensational happened this week. I was gifted the opportunity of meeting lightweight, undisputed champion of the world, George Cambosis Jr. The famous boxing champ, Australian legend, recent champion, I should say. Uh, but what a what a weird slice of life this is. So, Maka, 73-time Pelican of the Week, you know, great bloke, etc., etc., etc. So, Macca's a very ta- talented artist, as we all know, painted this beautiful sign here, painted this Liam Gallagher, painted this one here. He's, he's, he's an absolute, he's a painteroo, he's painting himself all over town. And here's the thing, so, Maka has painted George Cambosa Jr. after that, sensational win over tiafimo lopez and he's tagged him and george said mate that is absolutely fucking sensational how'd you like to come down to the gym and um and and like i'd love to get my hands on it maca was like i'd love to give it to you and he's like yeah come down to the gym and um and, and we'll meet there and then Macca's brought me along as his driver and you know what a time i've snuck in the back door holy shit you know, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. And so we get out there. Now, this this gym is in the middle of nowhere. It's way out of, out west. And uh, anyway, it's a pretty bloody how you going area. And this is why boxers are so wild. This guy's the champion of the world. And like this gym, you know, nothing wrong with it. It's a nice little gym, but it's like you'd expect him to be training in some sort of a freaking state-of-the-art facility with like an oxygen mask on or something and like 75 scientists watching him work but mate he was just in there to, to get it get after it get it done and so we go in there pretty nervous to be honest because i've never met a champion fighter before i don't think i've even ever met a fighter i don't think i have because i would watch their fights that'd be awesome if i had a friend who was a fighter Oh, and you could bet on them? Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ, what a world to live in, hey? So, I've never met a fighter. So, I, I don't really know what this guy's sort of sensibilities are. I have I have been characterized as a bit too hectic in the past when my personality sort of really gets down the barrel. So, also, it's Macca's thing anyway. So, I was just happy to be there, taking a back seat. We meet George and his dad, And both such legends, and then we go in there, um, chatting to George for a bit, Macca gives him the painting, George is blown away, like he loves this painting, so it speaks to how good it is, and it's a sensational artwork, it's on Michael McElroy, or Mike McElroy Art, M-I-C-H McElroy Art, it's like black and gold, of the champ, unbelievable. So then, and then uh, George is getting ready to hit pads and we're just chatting to his dad for about 20 minutes. It was a real lesson in uh, sort of humility because we're talking to George's dad for about 20 minutes. Now, Macca here is here to deliver the artwork. All right, but the artwork's been delivered. He didn't have to chat to him. Me, I mean, I am the most irrelevant person within, you know, five city blocks. There's no reason for him to chat to us, but he chatted to us for 20 minutes. And like, was like talking, talk, us uh, like they're, how they're trying to, you know, they're trying to make the Haney fight and, you know, all this boxing promotion behind the scenes stuff. It was so interesting. Thankfully, I'd watched an Eddie Hearn interview the week before on the MMA hour. And so I had some, some freaking fight promotion knowledge up my sleeve. And, you know, uh, you know, his dad was saying, oh, they're, Eddie Hearn wants to be more like the UFC. I said, Well, yeah, that's that's a different model, mate. It's a different model. I said, and I, I literally just took this straight out of Eddie Hearn's mouth, the boxing promoter. I said, mate, the thing with the UFC is, right? UFC London was sold out before anyone knew who was fighting. You you could never have that with boxing. And George's dad, like, mate, exactly, exactly, mate, you get it. And I'm thinking, yeah, 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 I get it. In reality, I am just a fucking low-level parrot. Merely just repeating thoughts of greater men. (laughs) But uh, it was really cool. The boxing gym, every single person who came into the gym, because there was a class while we were there, or a session, I don't know what you call it. Every single person came up and said hi to us. And half of them introduced themselves, even though we were just standing around. It was like a pretty sensational culture, I will say. And then we got to see George hit, uh, hit pads for a bit. And... Firstly, he was like learning new combos, which I thought was wild. This guy's literally the champion of the world and he's learning something new. That just goes to show, never stop. And then, just the speed of this man. His left arm's like a freaking cobra dude. It's like a cobra with a bad attitude, you know? Usually they say, if you make eye contact with a cobra, leave it alone, back away, you know? It won't, it won't hurt you. I'm telling you, this cobra... This Cobra will cross the street to fuck you up, okay? This Cobra's got a bad attitude. He'll jab your fucking face off, dude. So, the whole thing was pretty surreal because, like, the last three times I've watched George Cambosis on the telly, one was when he won the belt, then he was on the Joe Rogan experience, and uh, he was on Bloke in a Bar. And these are, like, two massive podcasts and, you know, massive fucking title fight. I'm thinking... Next thing you know, he's standing right in front of, in front of me. This is crazy. And, uh, mate, the guy, absolute legend, so friendly, um, messaged macker after saying thank you so much for coming down. Like, the guy is just the real deal. Like, just such a nice guy. I was blown away. I was thinking, mate, if this guy can be so generous with his time, what excuse does the average Joe blow from who gives a fuck have? I would argue very little, if any. So, the whole thing was fucking awesome. It was awesome. We got to analyze this Justin Langer stuff, dude. Woohoo! It is wild. Okay, so Justin Langer, he got, well, he resigned. But what happened was they offered him a six month contract extension. And he's thrown that back in their face and said, mate, tell you what, kiss my white ass, ball. <laughs> So, yeah, he's thrown it back in their face, which I don't blame him for at all. Okay? I would have done the exact same thing. Now, couple of things on this. Where to begin? It's been a wild week for cricket media, considering there's no games on. It's been crazy. So, Justin Langer. Now, the problem with all of this is that, basically, on one side of the argument, you've got Justin Langer is too intense and a psycho. And that's the issue. Now, I personally am not the biggest JL fan because I do think he is too intense. You know, it's very well for him to be like, you know, it's freaking way of the samurai or get the fuck out. But I think there is an element to the job that is actually people management and, you know, delivering a style of coaching that works for everyone. You know, some people, you get them in the room, you get them by the throat and you say freaking, you say, Alex Carey, you worthless pig, dig in or I'm going to kill you. And Alex Carey is going to dig the fuck in. But that's not going to work for everyone. You know, you got someone like Marnus Labashain. You might need to go up to him and say, Marnus, God, I value you as a batsman, you bloody... You son of a bitch. you got the weirdest name ever and the nation loves you. Go out there and have some fun. And then Marnus is going out there with a smile. And, you know, Steve Smith, who knows? You probably just give him a calculator and he just goes nuts. You know? Give him a ball. I don't know what that guy's into, okay? But people are different, okay? And sometimes just saying, hey... I'm a samurai. You guys need to be samurais too. Maybe it doesn't work for everyone. But, and also, you know, it comes out every two months that this guy is too intense. So he's obviously too intense. You know, there was the issue where Marnus was eating a sandwich on the sidelines. Like he was watching the game. It wasn't like he was out the back playing a bit of Ratchet and Clank, which you could easily, you know, forgive the boys for doing on some of the more boring days. I'm surprised the bowlers aren't out the back playing a bit up your arsenal. But, but yeah, JL's clearly got a bit of a psycho streak in him. I mean, look in the man's eyes. Just look into his eyes and you just think, what has this man seen? But, at the same time, I would uh, you could also argue none of that stuff matters even slightly because look at what he's done. In the last year, he has gone as well as he possibly could have gone since the India home summer. Since then... The T20 World Cup, we weren't supposed to win that. No one was expecting us to win that. JL delivers it. Then the Ashes, you know, the Ashes, yes, did England turn up? Dude, I don't know. I watched a conspiracy video that that, that said the Ashes never actually happened and we just watched, you know, 4K deep fakes. It's like when Luke Skywalker comes back in The Mandalorian. There's a guy on YouTube that was saying that's what we actually saw this summer and all the boys have actually been in the Bahamas laying low. And to be honest, I would believe it, okay? I would believe it. But, you know, the Ashes, we won 4-0. If we won 5-0, do you judge the coach differently? I don't think so. 4-0 or 5-0, who gives a fuck, dude? I'm fucking hammered. We smashed them, all right? So now you've got a guy where he's going in for to re, to renew his contract, his job at the company, and his performance at said company could not have been better. So it's obviously a personality thing, okay? And now Pat Cummins came out, and I don't want to sort of hate on Pat Cummins because it's pretty much impossible. I mean, God, the guy smiles and you just melt, you know? So, Pat Cummins comes out and says, we have to leave that to the board. I'm not getting involved in that. And Pat Cummins, fantastic first summer as captain. But let's be honest, he is a company man. Okay? It's how he got the job in the first place. Uh, Pat Cummins, if Cricket Australia said jump, he will say how high. It's not the worst quality in the world, you know. They are his employer, and that's that. Okay? this is At, at the end of the day, this is just a workplace. So, yes, their job is a lot cooler than, than yours and mine. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think Paddy's on Excel too much. But at the end of the day, it is a workplace. So, all the so basically, Cricket Australia come in, they go, we'll give you six months and that's it. We don't like you, but we can't fire you because you could literally take them to court. His performance is unbelievable. So, JL throws that in his face and says, fuck you, I'm a samurai, get this up, yeah. And we're all loving it, okay? come and says nothing. none of the players have really come out and said much except for you know I wish you the best. You know some of the statements from the players about Justin Langer, it's like when that guy from accounts who you, you didn't even really talk to leaves and it's like you're signing the card, you're like, what's this guy's name again? Jason? Is it Jason Langer? And you go, hey Jason, all the best for the future, whatever that may be. Regards, Billy. And I reckon from a fair few of the players we were seeing regards, JL, not kind regards and definitely not love, you know? So there's clearly a riff there. All the old players are blowing up because they're watching their boy JL get done like this. And also now you have this situation where Ricky Ponning or whoever's next, I'd like it to be Ricky, not Trevor Bayliss, please. Uh, I'd like it to be Ricky. Now you got this point where the next coach is coming in going, well, the last guy did as well as anyone could possibly do and was fired. So what the fuck chance in hell do I have? Very little, babe. Very little. You lose one game, Ricky's just awake all night going, oh God, oh God, they're going to do me like JL. Oh no. You know, it's very stressful. Mitchell Johnson came out and said that Pat Cummins is like a coward for not addressing it. And a lot of the old players came out and said this current crop of players is creating a rift and we don't like it. We don't like the way they handle their business. We don't like the way they speak in the media, present themselves. And I don't disagree with some of it. I think some of it is probably a little unfair. Um, And here's the thing. I think this is my personal opinion on what's happened. JL has had the best time ever. Despite the success... The players don't like him and they never have. And even though I've had cricket coaches, soccer coaches where, yeah, we've done well, but do I want to have a beer with this bloke? Nah, dude, I'm kind of terrified of him, if anything. Okay? And I remember freaking... Oh, yeah, perfect example. My first year at grade cricket, we uh, we played under... I probably shouldn't say his name, but, um, you know, fantastic cricket coach. And we won the club champs. Okay. Dude, this guy was a freaking psycho, all right? It wasn't fun. I didn't I didn't want to hang out with him at all. But we couldn't have gone better, okay? So, I think Cummins and the lads are thinking, fuck yeah, JL's going, thank God, like, this guy's a psycho. We- yes, we're doing well. You do have to give the players some of the credit for that. But he's thinking, this guy's a psycho. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. And then... You know, all the old players who were blowing up, Mitchell Johnson, it's all very well for Mitchell Johnson to go on some sport radio station we've never heard of and say Pat Cummins is a disgrace. But at the end of the day, Mitchell, you don't actually have to play under Justin Langer. You go home to the family and play with your kids, you're retired. Pat Cummins is the one who's got got Justin screaming, get down and give me 40, you worthless maggot. You know what I mean? Maybe Pat Cummins has had enough of being called maggot. You know so I think basically the players don't actually like JL they never have they've tolerated him and you know you know yes JL has gone fantastically there was a couple of tough moments beforehand but as far last summer but as far as I'm concerned, JL won the ashes in England and the, the last year he's just had he was well he deserved the right to say I'm uh, w- this is what I'm doing. And maybe Cricket Australia then reserve the right to say, yep, we'll keep you on because you deserve it. We're only going to give you another year. Six months is insulting. Okay, six months is insulting. And that was basically a get fucked. But I think then you got Pat Cummins in front of the media and everyone's saying, Pat, what are you going to do? And he's thinking, "I, I want JL to leave. Everyone wants me to come out and say, please, JL, stay. I don't know what to say. And that's what he said. He basically said nothing. And, I mean, would you... What what would the ex-players have said if Pat Cummins had come out and said, my personal opinion is, yeah, JL is too intense. The group vibe isn't as good as it could be because of his personality. Despite the cricket we're playing, it would be my recommendation they do not renew his contract. Let's see what Mitchell Johnson has to say about that. If Pat Cummins came out and very respectfully gave his honest opinion, if that was his opinion, I guarantee Mitchell Johnson would be driving to Pat Cummins' house to throw a brick through his window. So it's like, what do you guys want, really? What do you guys want? I think, you know, at the end of the day, this is a pretty ugly incident. I think these board members... This is the problem when you have unaccountable, nameless fucking weirdos in suits making high-level decisions... And they're not held accountable for it. If six months from now we are we've lost every game under Ricky Ponning, is Nick Hockley or whatever that absolute freaking thumbs name is and his board and his board members, are they gonna be fired? Are they gonna be given six months a six month extension or told to hit the bricks? No. There's no accountability for the decision makers in cricket Australia. It's always been the issue. Look at George Bailey this summer, head selector, fantastic summer. He made every decision correct, okay? Every – it was perfect. Fantastic, okay? George Bailey, keep going, okay? Keep going. But I would argue if George Bailey fucked up the whole summer and made all these wild calls, he'd still be the head of selectors, okay? Now, that's a bad example because he's doing a great job. But Greg Chappell, over the years, has pushed just all these young players – with no runs or wickets behind them in his little Academy of Excellence. And Greg Chappell is the, you know, the knowing seeing eye of cricket Australia. We got freaking Hilton Cartwright playing at 19 in a test match for no reason. We got the under 23s shield comp. Now shield cricket is completely whacked. There's no accountability for Greg Chappell. Okay. He's just going around with his weird attitude and his brother, Ian is having a go at everyone. The fact is, the players and the coaches are the ones that ha- are held to this standard and yet they're not the, the ones making these decisions. You know, if they want to fire JL, if want to fire JL I'd much rather that, that Pat Cummins fires him personally and says, look, man, I'm the captain of this team and that's that, you know? But anyway, my camera just ran out of battery. I'm probably waffling anyway. I miss my ex-girlfriend and I love this podcast and we're out of time. But thank you for listening. I'll be announcing some tour dates soon, working on it. And I'm very excited. And also, I don't know, follow me on social media, etc. All right. Cool, cool, cool.